your exclusive home for prop sports. Oh, it's good! It's good! This is Rowan Radio. Connors with the game winner! 89.7 WGLS-FM, Glassboro. Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM proudly presents Offsides, a weekly roundtable discussion about the world of professional sports, featuring the diverse perspectives of the Rowan Radio Sports Department. And now, here's your Wednesday host, Aaron Hook. Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM. I'm Aaron Hook, like you just heard, your Wednesday host here for this midweek edition of Offsides, November the 30th, 2022, the final day of the month of November, as uh, we are getting set to head into the final month of 2022, and uh, what that means for the sports world is, you know, the NBA really revving up, getting into, you know, high gear, full swing, uh, I guess you could say. The NFL season starting to wind down a little bit. We're really into the back half now, um, really closer to the final quarter of the regular season. And, of course, it also means uh, a lot of stuff for the baseball world in terms of winter meetings and the bid contracts being signed, the bid free agents going off the board and whatnot. We'll talk about all that, um, but also with a little bit of an added twist this year because – there is the World Cup going on, and as I'm sure uh, most of you listening know, uh, the United States advanced yesterday. They knocked off uh, Iran one to nothing, and the United States are into the knockout stage uh, for the first time since 2010. So pretty good news there, and that's where we're going to start. I am uh, not alone today. I'm joined by uh, Josh Counts of our sports department here at Rowan Radio, Josh. Uh, if you can hear me, Josh joining me um, from the uh, the realm of Zoom, by the way. So not in person. I'm all alone today here in the studio. Josh, if you can hear me, uh, what's going on? Nothing much, man. Nothing much. How are you doing, man? I'm fine. Um, you know, the Jets won this weekend. Um, not really. <laughs> I see you with your Jets on. <laughs> got a rep. Got a rep. Uh, Jets back in the win column. We'll talk about them a little bit and uh, their new quarterback situation yep. going forward. Um, but really wanted to start with the World Cup, so I uh, just want to ask you, did you get a chance to see any of the game yesterday? Or um... I did I did not. Um, I caught some of the highlights, mm-hmm. and I kept up to date with what was going on. Um, I'm not the biggest soccer guy. You know me personally, so I, I, you know I'm not the biggest soccer guy, but right. I'm going to represent, you know, I'm going to show support for the United States men's teams in the World Cup. Um, and it was, uh, it was a great win against Iran. Um, and it was like it was very. I think it should have been two zero, but they had to call call a couple goals back. Yeah, one was one of them was offside. So, but you know, a dub is a dub. We still got it. Um, now we're going to the round of sixteen, like you said, to the knockout tournament, which is the round of sixteen. Correct me if I'm wrong, right? Yep, yep, you got it. So this is the first time since 2010. You can see the you can check, definitely check time to timelines on Twitter that everybody's happy for the United States. But I I, I know we're going to talk about like predictions and how far they can go. Mm-hmm. I'm just telling you right now, bro, not far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's kind of the consensus right now is that, you know, it's great to see them, you know, get to this stage furthest they've been in over a decade and, and stuff yeah. like that. And they do have some talent. They do have some legitimate talent there, um, especially with the guy who scored the goal to beat Iran, uh, Kristen Pulisic. Yep. Uh, this is a young kid. 
um, from, I believe, the state of Pennsylvania, if I'm not mistaken. Hey. I'm going to fat check myself right, uh, really quick. But this Rough kid, Pulisic, that? you know, he has, you know, gone overseas and played in arguably the top lead in the world, Josh, the Premier League, playing for one of the best teams in the world in Chelsea. He's already yep. won, um, you know, a Champions League uh, title. So this kid is big time. And, like, he's real, real talent, not just – you know, in the context of the United States team or, you know, he's a great player over here, but how would he fare overseas? No, this kid is is legit. Um, one of the, you know, better young and up-and-coming players in the world, and mm-hmm. uh, he had a fantastic finish. He got hurt um, as he put it in the back of the net, and uh, he was checking in with his teammates. Uh, he had to go to the hospital, but he seems to be all right. So Yeah, this, yeah, I saw that tweet. Mm-hmm. I think he said he was going to be ready for this weekend game against uh, Netherlands. Right, yeah, so that's really kind of the big concern right now is if he's going to be able to go. Um, U.S. on Sunday morning will take down the Netherlands again. That uh, will be the opening game for them in the knockout stage, and, of course, it is the knockout round, uh, knockout round so, you know, it's winner go home at this point, and the Netherlands yeah. are a very good team. They're, uh, I believe, the eighth ranked team in the world so uh it's been a it's long a time test. yeah it's, it's been a, a long, long time coming for them as well um after they didn't even qualify for the world cup four years ago so now they're back and so yeah josh i mean as the rest of the groups kind of round out you know you look at this u.s team that does again have some legit talent but i i think you're right i think kind of the consensus is that you know they've been a fun story and you know, maybe they can win a game here in the knockout stage, but when looking yeah. at the rest of the world, I just don't think they stack up. Yeah, I think at, at, like whenever the men's soccer team is in the World Cup or in one of these big world tournaments for for the sport, it's always going to feel, and they start to win. It's always going to feel like a Cinderella story because at, at the end of the day, soccer is not our sport. It's mm-hmm. not America's go-to sport. It's football. It's baseball. It's baseball. It's basketball. It's hockey. It's anything else. It's but soccer is like. It's a cool sport to play. It's a fun sport. Me and you have covered our so- our college soccer team, and it's just at the end of the day when you look at, when you look at the United States stacked up against the rest of the world, it's like nah, they got no chance. They could if they win a game, that is awesome. It's we will we'll celebrate it for forever. But it took them ten years to get back to the to this stage. Mm-hmm. We're celebrating that, and we're celebrating a win a one zero win against Iran, where. Like, listen, it Iran's a solid team, but they're not. They're not like they're not the Neverland. They're not Japan. They're not anybody else. And you're not, they're not Germany. Right. So it's like, bro, when we go up against these other teams, this is the real deal. Like these are teams who, who these are nations who blood, sweat, and tears go into soccer. Our blood, sweat, and tears don't go in soccer because it's not our main focus like that. Yeah. No. Um. And the MLS is cool and all that, but at the end of the day, like, yo, listen, it's something to watch where football and everything else is off. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Obviously, the dynamic, um, both in terms of, I think, the talent pool for the United States going into soccer and just who they're pulling, because, again, you're right, in a country like Great Britain, um, you know, England, soccer is, or football, you know, um, whatever, yeah. whatever you choose to call it, uh, that's their main sport. And it's what a lot of the kids grow up playing. And so you've got a wider pool of talent to choose from, but also the economic side nearly, I mean, not even close the amount of money 
um, yeah. that goes into obviously the four major sports leagues like the NBA, NFL, MLB, and NHL. The the money, the TV deals, just the funding is not even close for the MLS or you know some of these youth teams that are you know supposed to be breeding uh, this next generation of of guys who are going to grow up and potentially play for the United States. So. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you, Josh. It's, you know, the United States is definitely, um, they've got the odd stat against them for sure. Um, but again, led by a kid in Pulisic, who, by the way, is from Hershey, Pennsylvania. So uh, I was correct there. So he's a few hours away from here. I'd say three to four you, hours You say away. that Hershey, PA? Yep. Oh yeah, he's not that far. No, yeah, so I've been to Hershey Park my sh- my fair share of times. Good time. I've been I've been to Hershey Park in so long, man. I gotta go back. I know Hershey Park's a good time. Um, but yeah, so he's from there, and then I mean, you look at the rest of the guys. It is a pretty young team. Um, you looked at uh their captain, um, and uh oh man, Spencer, what what's his last name? I'm losing him right now. Um, I'm trying to think of of his last name. Uh, I'm, I'm searching for it right now to uh, see if I can find it. Right oh, now. oh, not Spencer. Tyler Adams. Sorry. Yeah, um, that's him right there. Tyler yeah, Adams. Tyler Adams. Sorry. So he's the captain. He's just 23 years old. Uh, he's from New York, um, New York State, I should say. You got Brendan Aronson, who is another local kid. He's from Medford, Josh. So that's really close. Ooh, yeah. Um, so, I mean, you've got these guys at the top, these younger guys, and then you've got some of the veterans. Uh, on the bad end, defensively, we've got 35-year-old Tim Ream is the oldest guy on the team. Um, in goal, you've got a guy like Matt Turner who has waited a long time for this. He's from New Jersey as well. Don't so, get me wrong. This is a huge opportunity for mm-hmm. them to show out, but I think realistically speaking, I think the fan base doesn't believe we could go far at all. Yeah, I mean, the U.S. would just, you know, two goals through three games and then the Netherlands won two of their three matches in, um, in Group A, so... Uh, they're the winners of Group A, United States, the runners-up of Group B, England winning Group B. So you have the runner-up of Group B taking on the top team in Group A. So, you know, just from that <laughs> standpoint alone, it's it's going to be tough, Josh. But certainly it's it's always something to see, right? Just it, the it, country they, that doesn't really, like we've been talking about, you know, put too yeah. much of an emphasis on soccer usually, kind of come together for, I don't know, a couple of weeks and cheer on, cheer on the, yeah. the boys. Oh, yeah, 100%. And, uh, listen, if they, again, if they could knock off the Netherlands, that's an amazing Cinderella story, but I doubt it. I, I, if they could at least keep up with Neverland, that would be cool, but I, I, don't, I don't think they could keep up. I think the offensive team, the offensive game for the men's soccer team is not good. It's like tied 10th, if I checked it, if I read that correctly. It's like tied 10th, and they're going up against a team that's one of the better offensive teams in this cup, mm. where in the Netherlands, I got the stats right here, they're like they're tied third in goals. Like they're t- excuse me, they're tied fourth in goals. Like they're tied yeah, fifth in assists. They like, scored a they, goal in every match. Yeah, so. like th- this is a this is a legit real deal team. Yeah, no, hundred percent. They've got five goals in three matches, so it'll be tough for sure. Um, but yeah, it, it, it really kind of cool to see uh, the U.S. at least get to the knockout stage and uh, have a chance to uh, make a little bit of a run. Now, in terms of looking around, Josh, and seeing who's going to qualify and who we think maybe can can take this home here, um, I think a lot of people's you know kind of favorites coming into this was Brazil. Yeah, um, they've got obviously um, Neymar, one of the best players in the world, and 
Um, you just look up and down their roster filled uh, with talent. And so I think Brazil, who has won their first two matches, um, should definitely be a team that people look at. Obviously, Argentina, you know, we, uh, we know they lost their first match um, in a shocker to uh, Saudi Arabia. But since then, they've rattled off two more wins. They've yeah, obviously they got up, potentially the best player up. in the world in, in Messi. So. Yeah, they picked up a win against Poland uh, today, I see. Mm -hmm. It looks like 2 nothing. Yeah, so I think Argentina's another team that people are looking at. Portugal on the other side, you know, they've got Ronaldo. All these teams that have, you know, the stud top players, I think, are always going to be in contention. But I think also, you know, as per usual, I think like and England is going to be in a lot of people's good graces to, to go far in this one because, again, they're – they're pretty stacked, top to bottom. You looked at Argentina again, like we talked about France, uh, who obviously are the defending champions. They won it in 2018. Um, so, I mean, if I had to pitch someone, I don't know. I, I I would I would honestly go out and say this might be England's year. Um, be England? Yeah, I mean, I know the U.S. actually played them pretty well, but I don't know. I just looked at that team, and I, I think, you know, all the – kind of uh, stuff they've dealt with over the past few cups where, you know, it's like, oh, you know, we're going to come and take it home. You know, it's, it's coming back to it's coming back to England, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, they're always this superpower that can never get it done. This might be the year for them. I don't know why, but I just have a feeling. I'm not going to argue that pick. I like it. I'm actually going to go with the defending champs. Ooh, France. I'm going to go France, yeah, because it's – they're like I think they're one of the complete teams, the better team. They had a couple losses, um, but I think uh, I think they're actually the team. They only had one loss, and they have one tie. But that was but I think they're gonna get it together. They're like they pass the ball on. This is a great like team that can pass the ball on, so everybody scores. Mm -hmm. They're like second in assists. They're third in goal score. So this is a very good offensive team, and they're very good on the defensive end as well. So I'm going to definitely pick France to go back to back. Yeah, so France actually lost today. That was their only loss. Uh, but they are going to qualify at the top of Group D. Um, and, I mean, yeah, you look at them. I mean, they are just stacked. Uh, Tinsley Coleman yeah. up front with, obviously, then you've got um, an, another one of the top players in the world, Kylian Mbappe, um, who, as a 19-year-old, four years ago in the World Cup in Russia, really showed out for them, was one of the best players on that team that went on to win it all. You got Antoine Griezmann there. Um, so, I mean, yeah, this French team, and Hugo Lloris is is in goal. Oliver Giroux is there as well. So just names on names on names, guys who are top, top-end talent playing for this French team. So if they go out and win it, Josh, yeah, I would not be surprised. I like that pick uh, for the French to go out and uh, repeat as champions. All right, so starting, uh, starting the day off with um, some World Cup talk, uh, which is – not usually how we do things here, but obviously with it going on in the U.S., uh, advantage to uh, the knockout stage, wanted to make sure that uh, we talked about it at least a little bit, um, which is going to lead us into uh, some of our more usual programming, and uh, that will entail the NFL we'll start off on, and uh, we've got a uh, recap. I was we've got a recap. Josh's Indianapolis Colts falling to the Pittsburgh Steelers on Monday Night Football 24-17. Um, a game in which not a lot of people wanted to watch, uh, but it actually ended up being a pretty, pretty entertaining game. Yeah, no, nah, it was very, very entertaining. 
I watched it, unfortunately. <laughs> you don't sound too uh, entertained. <laughs> it was, well, all right, this is what happened. They because they started off very bad, like mm. like in the first half they sucked. The Colts, they, the like, Colts, you mean? Y- yes, the Colts. Right. Let me specify that the Colts start off very very bad. Mm. Matt Ryan was turning over the ball. He looked absolutely garbage, and I'm like, all right, let me turn this off. And I went to go watch <laughs> professional wrestling, but I still kept up with the st- with the yeah, stats yeah. on the game. So when they came, or when they started to make a little comeback, I was like, all right, let me turn it back. Because usually when I watch, my team loses. But when I don't watch, they can find a way to win. So, all right. Come back to the game. The game is like, they're only down that touchdown. And it's 24-17 going into, like, at the fourth quarter. 24-17. Mm-hmm. And I'm watching them drive down the field. And then, because and we're going to talk about the, the Jeff Saturday not calling timeout. Right. And they're going down the field. They're at, I want to say, at the near midfield. Matt Ryan runs for that scramble. Near, I thought he got that first down, but didn't. They marked him short. He was short like three yards. Now it's third and three. They decided to do a run play. Didn't work out. Now it's fourth down. Still, they still didn't call no timeout. Fourth down. They throw, Matt Ryan scrambles left, throws the ball to the left. I literally think it, it was a missed pass interference call. I literally thought they, it was a, definitely a missed pass interference call because they hit the man before he got before he got there. So that's me, but listen, at the end of the day, I'm not expecting much from this team. Matt Ryan is done. He's washed up. It's over. I think we all can see that now. He's going to retire this season, and the Colts are going to be back at square one where you need a quarterback. Not only not do you need a quarterback, you need a coach because I don't think Jeff Saturday is long-term. Yep. Yeah, so um, I I totally agree. Uh, I think – the Saturday hire was such a like interesting, such a shot in the dark. You know what I mean? Like it was such yeah. a swing for the fences, and I think you know he wins his first game. You know, he, he goes out and and kind of lets it go, and this one you know I, I don't know. He, he does a decent enough job, Josh, to the point where yeah. it's like you know you, you figure maybe he can make it work, but yeah the. The lack of the, you know, awareness and clock management to to stop it there, and then the drive ends up stalling with Matt Ryan, um, the final drive there. The Steelers defense holds. He should have called timeout, mm-hmm. and I think he even he admitted like, yeah, I should have called timeout. I think Monday, what was it? Not Monday. It was probably Tuesday morning or Tuesday afternoon. He admitted he did a press conference that yeah, he should have be called timeout. But yeah, it's like like you said, it's a learning process and. When you think about when I think about Jeff Saturday, Jeff Saturday to me, I think it was like I think RG three said this on a pregame, and he said he does a great job on Monday Night Countdown too. Uh, he said that Jeff Saturday is like the president of the United States in a way. Like his job basically is not not give orders, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Like he has people for that. Right. So his people is the offense coordinator, the defense coordinator. All they give out the orders to the players. His job is to keep up the morale. Right. He's I want I don't want to say poster boy, but he's like the poster boy for the coach right now. Mm-hmm. He's a poster boy coach. No, I I I did that. Um, just I, I think you know a lot of people use the term now um, like CEO type. Yeah. Um, when they're talking about a coach, that yeah, you're right, Josh. Like not as much with the X's and O's, and not as much you know individualized to player groups and whatnot. Just kind of a coach that oversees everything, and and you're right, tries to keep everybody on the same page and install a certain mentality and philosophy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, if you're the Colts, it's definitely weird going 
from an Antonosis die like Frank Wright mm-hmm. um, to now a die who, like you said, is more of like a poster boy, quote unquote, in, in Jeff Saturday. So, do you think you know this is it for Saturday? Do you think it was just a a quick little experiment, and the Colts are going to be, you know, as soon as the season ends, uh, looking for a new die? Yeah, I, I don't know who the new guy could be. Mm-hmm. I, I honestly don't know. But I think this is an experiment. This is not this is not new to sports. Uh, Larry, this happened to Larry Bird back when he was coaching the Indiana Pacers. Like, he wasn't an X and O's guy. He was just a great leader and all that. But he had people like like a Rick Carlisle, for example, to be the X and O guy. And, and, it, and it worked for Larry Bird and the Indiana Pacers. Right. And the Indiana Pacers. They went up going to the finals. They ultimately just couldn't win. They ultimately ran into Shaq and company, but they couldn't win. But this experiment where... You have a more so a leader than a XO guy has happened in sports. So I personally don't think the Colts are going to do it no more. If so, I'll be very surprised. I mean, if they if they want to, Jeff Sarri's got to win a couple more games to prove like, okay, we can still we could go this route. Like he's got to win couple. He's got to win a couple more games because right now he's oh he's not one he's one and two. Right. And you know you talked about the quarterback situation. Obviously, we know that Matt Ryan this year, that experiment has also not worked. That's over. Right. That's over. Um, yeah, he's way up there in age. He's going to cost a ton of money. So, Colts uh, currently hold the number 14 pick in the draft um, at 4-7-1. and one. So, I mean, you're looking middle of the first round. Maybe you could hope that a guy like C.J. Stroud Drops a little bit after his performance against Michigan over the weekend, where, mm-hmm. he, where he he didn't look too great. So maybe he becomes more of like a middle of the first round type of guy, um, or you might have to make the sacrifice and move up a little bit if you want. Here's yeah. my here's my fantasy possibility. Mm-hmm. If we if there's a possibility that a a good quarterback lands at the fourteenth, comes at the four in the fourteenth pick, take him, but. But. With the whole situation going on in Green Bay. Oh, no. With Jordan Love and Aaron Rodgers. I don't know what that means because from what I saw Sunday night against the Eagles, I was I was interested in I was interested in Jordan Love, but at the end of the day we still don't know if he could play because the Packers don't put him in enough unless Aaron Rodgers gets hurt. So now the Packers, I'm and I'm sorry to switch this to the Packers, but the Packers are left with a decision: mm-hmm. Do we go f- keep the? Do we stay with the future and Jordan Love, or do we want to try to win a championship with Aaron Rodgers? So now you're stuck. So what my fantasy is: Can the Colts make a play to get either Jordan Love or Aaron Rodgers? Because yeah. I personally think this team could win. It just we don't have a quarterback. You got Jonathan Taylor, who I think is one of the best backs in the league. And his numbers are tremendously down because he's been a little bit hurt. And I think the offensive line just hasn't been playing well this season. You have good wide receivers. You got a defense that is not the greatest, but it can hold people down when you need them to. Mm-hmm. But so at the end of the day, you just need a quarterback. Right. And yeah. I'm like, all right, if you could get Aaron Rodgers, I think Aaron <laughs> Rodgers could probably give you four years left before he got think before we got to think about retirement. Ooh, I don't know about four. I would say Three? I, I would say two or three. I would say two, two or three. three. Okay, two or three seems more reasonable. Yeah, because he's already 38, so. Yeah, oh, yeah, so, yeah, two and three. I, I thought he was, like, a little younger than that, two and three. Uh, yeah, he's definitely two to three. But if you get Jordan Love, now we can, now we have a long-term quarterback here. Right, right. 
So I'm like, it's, it's, I think we're going. I think you got. I think we got to pay attention to that Green Bay situation as that is the season goes on, and as we uh go into the off season. No, I, I think that's perfect. Um, and I think, you know, for the Colts, that makes a ton of sense because, again, they can kind of now choose their window almost, which is kind of weird for a team that's struggled this year it's kind of like weird to say that they're almost like in a little bit of a good spot moving forward I think because again if they want to talk to Green Bay yeah and inquire about both of those guys both Rodgers and Jordan Love then they can kind of make the call for themselves right and it obviously is going to depend on how much you're willing to give up but you can say okay do we want kind of a longer term project in Jordan Love or mm-hmm. do we think we're good enough to win really a Super Bowl in the next two to three years here with Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, and this is a very – the Colts have always been a team in my eyes that can that has always been in a window – the window's open opportunity. They've mm-hmm. been in that window's opportunity because the team has always been like a good team that can win the Super Bowl. It's just been – whether it's bad coaching, whether it's – Andrew Luck retired. Andrew Luck retiring definitely sent them back a lot because that was definitely the Super Bowl year for us. But the Carson Wentz experiment didn't work out. Frank Wright didn't work out. So it's always something else but the team. It's always like the coach or the quarterback. It's either one right. or two. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the defense has been pretty stellar the last yeah. few years. So Also, like another thing, the defense is missing uh, Shaq, Shaq Leonard now. Their former Darius right, Leonard, right. now Shaq Leonard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Darius Leonard has been one of the best linebackers in the league the last three, four years. So, um, for sure, you know, getting him back and, um, you know, losing a couple pieces as well in the offseason. But, um, yeah, I, I think the Colts are actually a pretty fascinating situation. Um, and for the Steelers on the other side, you know, Teddy Pickett in this one, uh, Josh, he, he doesn't do anything crazy. Um, didn't play all that great, but. I think he kind of did what he had to um, mm-hmm. when he looked at his numbers. Uh, I've got him right here. So he was 20 of 28, 174 yards, no touchdowns and no picks. Also runs for 32 yards on the ground, sit attempts. Um, so, look, I mean, I liked Kenny Pickett coming out, and I still do like him as a maybe potential long-term answer for the Steelers, but could mm-hmm. you see them also kind of swaying in that direction of – the Colts where maybe, um, you know, they go out and tr- try to acquire a guy like Aaron Rodgers or if maybe things in Denver fall apart quicker than people thought. Um, maybe do that, they inquire yeah, about actually, Russell I Wilson. Didn't think it is, yeah, yeah, I didn't even think about the Denver situation with Russell Wilson, but the Steelers are an interesting one because that's a franchise that's not known to go out and get a QB. They prefer to develop their own. I think if you think of the QBs all in Pittsburgh history, they've all been developed by them. And I think they're going to still stick with Kenny Pickett for maybe for maybe for like two more years to see what he brings to the table. If that third year is bad, they'll move on. But it, it's a very interesting, interesting situation because I don't think it's not just the quarterback. Like Pittsburgh has a lot of question marks outside of Mike Tomlin being the coach. Mm-hmm. Their defense, we need they still are rebuilding the defense. The offensive line still needs to get going. They need to figure out that. Najee Harris is actually the most complete part, even though I like Najee Harris. 
but it, it's just it's it's very interesting what Pittsburgh is going to do. Yeah, I think you know both of these teams are in a spot where um, it's it's pretty dang interesting to see where they are going to kind of move forward. Um, and so it's kind of interesting that uh, they also cross paths on uh, on Monday night. Um, and so that'll kind of take us more into diving into some of the games last week um, and looking at how kind of the landscape of the league um, was shaken up that way. And so you looked at some of the games last week. The Niners team went in and shut out the Saints 13 to nothing, um, And the Seahawks drop uh, one at home to the Raiders mm-hmm. in overtime. Josh Jacobs, who, by the way, had Beast. just a crazy day against that Seattle defense. 33 Beast. rushes for 229 yards, Josh. Two touchdowns. He also caught six passes for 74 yards. So he had a monster, monster day. He wins it on an 86-yard touchdown run in overtime. And so all of a sudden, that, that NFC West that you know a lot of people um, had kind of chalked up to the Seahawks as, as recent as like two or three weeks ago, Everyone yeah. was like, oh, this is Seattle's division to lose. They're the best team in this division. But all of a sudden, the Niners at 7-4 and four have rattled off four straight, and now they have a one-game lead up on the Seahawks for the NFC West. You know, and I think the NFC West is a very, very interesting division that I think uh, don't judge. It's like most like a joke. The best thing I can say is don't judge a book by its cover because I think we were all going in, into the, in the beginning of the season looking at the NFC West thinking that, this is the Rams or the Cardinals division to win. Because mm-hmm. the Seahawks and 49ers had question marks. And now it's the exact opposite. The Cardinals, I don't think, are going to be good enough. They, I, I don't know if Kyler Murray's the truth. I, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I don't know if he's I, I think, think he's I guy. think Kinsbury is just – You think it's Kinsbury? I don't think he's I don't think he's a good coach. I think he probably should have been fired last year. Yeah. But And then when you look at the Rams – Matt Stafford has finally shown his true colors of who he is, and they're just not—they're not coming. They're not right. turning out to be—they're not turning out to be yeah. like you know back-to-back Super Bowl champions. They got Bryce Perkins playing quarterback right now. It's yeah. rough for the Rams. But rough. the 49ers, I think, is a dark horse in this conference. I think this is a team that can make a whole lot of noise if they get into the playoffs. And the Seahawks don't. I, I, now listen, I love what happens to Geno Smith, man. He's re- he's br- resurrected his career. He Carroll, I know he gets a lot of slack. What, what happened with the R- Russell Wilson and the Legion of Boom? He's helped uh, Geno Smith resurrect his career. So we gotta give a lot of credit to him. But Seattle and 49ers is a very interesting. It's gonna be an interesting race as we get down because only like I think because I, I think all I think the all three all excuse me all four NFC East teams are making the playoffs. So it's good. So I think the the NFC West is only going to have one playoff spot, and that's the and that's going to be the division crown. Yeah, I mean NFC East right now has all four teams uh, locked in the playoff spots with uh, the Commanders winning again on Sunday. Uh, they are now all of a sudden seven and five. Yeah. And so you know, you've got them and the Giants neck and neck there. Um, and then obviously oh. Dallas looks like at this point, I think. Outside of the Niners, Josh, uh, I think Dallas is probably the biggest threat to the Eagles right now in the NFC. Yes, I agree. And that Christmas Eve game is going to be a must-watch. Mm-hmm. That that, that's going to tell you who's going to win. Actually, no, I don't think 
Can Dallas still win a division even though if they win? Uh, well, yeah, the, yeah. I mean, they can. Can they ta- still catch them? They can still technically win the division. They're I think two games back, right? Because they're eight and three now. So yeah. Um. So yeah. I mean, there's six games to play, and they're two back. So they can technically still win the division, but uh, I think the Eagles' schedule is definitely favorable favorable for them to go out and and win it. Now, I mean, like again, they've really only got two games here that I could see them losing. Um, I, I mean, got them losing. I actually got them losing three. Okay. Like I you got have them, them losing this week to the Who, Titans. They play in Tennessee this week. Yep. Yeah, they. I got them losing Tennessee. Okay. I got Dallas Christmas Eve, and I got one of the Giants matchups when they play. Okay. I was, yeah, I was just about to talk about the two Giants games. I think. I don't know. I honestly think they win both of those. I don't think the Giants are. Look, I mean, you know, the Giants have had a great season by all, you know, all measures. Uh, where they were projected to finish coming into the year to be seven and four right now and in a playoff spot pretty firmly um, is incredible for the Giants in year one of Brian Dable and and his tenure there. So I'm not taking anything away from the Giants and what they've done. I just think on paper, the Eagles are way better than the Giants. Yeah. I think so. I think I honestly think they beat them twice here, uh, on the road in MetLife and then here in Philly. Uh, but I, I could definitely I, I, see them yeah. losing this week to to Tennessee. The Titans are a tough, tough team, and they're a great running team too. And yes, that's what the Eagles are struggling with right now in the defense is running is stopping right. the run. Right. So that's why that's why I'm saying like I got Dallas, Tennessee, and Giants mm-hmm. beating the Eagles, especially with Saquon back there, and you got. And if you look at Dallas, they got Ezekiel and Pollard mm-hmm. killing everybody. That's fair. Yeah, that's totally fair. Um, so, yeah, I think the NFC definitely got shaken up a little bit um, here over the uh, over the weekend and with some of the fans giving names as well. The Vikings keep winning. Uh, they get to 9-2. and two, And this week, they host the New York Jets, who also won this weekend. Um, the Jets. talk about that, man. Yeah, well... <laughs> Gladly. Um, well, I was stuck in heavy downpour and heavy traffic on the way to <laughs> Wilmington to call the Bluecoats game on Sunday afternoon. Yeah. Uh, Mike White was throwing lasers. Uh, Mr. Counts, Mike White, I am afraid, is the real deal. I am I am deathly afraid. Are, are, you, are you a Zach Wilson supporter? <sighs> well, I mean, it's pretty tough to be right now. I mean, like, that's why you're saying you're afraid. I'm like, well, I, okay, I, okay. I saw that game. I was like, no, he, he's the future. I kind of meant it in a way where, like, I was kidding, but if I was Zach Wilson, I'd, I'd definitely be afraid right now because Mike White, you know, he's 27 years old. Yeah. His kid who was ultra productive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's 27. Anyway, I thought he was younger than that. No, he's, yeah, he's 27. He's bounced around for a while. He was a fifth round pick by the Cowboys, I want to say in 2016. Uh, I'm going again to get you confirmation on that. I want to say 2016. Uh, oh, actually 2018. Okay, so uh, more recent than I even thought. But so he was drafted four years ago, um, which I just de- I guess that made sense. Uh, out of Western Kentucky, was super super productive um, in college. So he was always a guy that you know had a pretty solid arm and you know was able to put up numbers coming out. Again, he was a fifth round pick. Has bounced around the lead for a while. The Jets, obviously, we know that you know when they put him in last year, uh, when Wilson got hurt, Zach. I mean, no, Zach. I just told you Zach. Josh. Um, <laughs> speaking on Zach Wilson, you know, like 
when they put him in last year, especially against the Bengals, he was great. And then he did turn himself, and that's kind of where his story ended last year. But, I mean, what he did to that Chicago defense, I know the Bears' defense isn't anything really to write home about, but, mm-hmm. I mean, he tore him up. Are you kidding me? 315 yards and three touchdowns, no pits? Mike no, White I- did exactly what the Jets have wanted Zach Wilson to do all year, Josh, on, which is just I'm gonna stop you. I'm gonna stop you right there because that is that tell that's why I think he's the future for this franchise mm-hmm. because it's not crazy the, to say it's really not. It's not. No, it's not. And everybody's been saying that. No, he's going. I think he. They all been saying not only should he, not only should he finish the season that he should be starting quarterback next season because with <laughs> Zach Wilson, Zach Wilson, even though they were winning with Zach Wilson, they weren't winning because of him. They were winning yes. in spite of him. And then the, they obviously we saw the press, the post game press conference after the the in New England loss. The the Michael White thing is that he does what's needed. He doesn't do too much. He doesn't do too little. He does what is required. If I I follow the play, I don't do anything else. I don't scramble. I don't try to do all this crazy stuff. I just follow the play and just mm-hmm. throw throw the ball to my open man. And that's what the Jets need because their Jets defense is top tier. Yeah, no, it is. It's. Um, it's it's one of the best uh, in all of the league, and I mean when you've got pieces there on that defense that have stepped up in ways, you know, like like the Sauce Gardner. Um, I mean, as a rookie, he's looked like one of the top cornerbacks uh, in all of football. So it's like, you know, I I think the decision by Robert Sawa to go out and Name White the starter and then roll with him again after, you know, off the back of that great performance. You know, I think just says more about the team right now and that, you know, at this point, um, you know, it's it's more about this current Jets group um, and getting it done with them and you know, being able to realize that you've got something special here. This is a Jets team that is trying to make the playoffs, I mean, for the first time in forever, since 2011. I mean, it's the longest active drought in football. So I think it's it's just a great job of realizing that by Robert Sala and seeing that he's got such a young and upcoming defense um, and so like, why would he, you know, almost waste that, um, you know, on a guy like Zach Wilson and, and continue to give him chances when all he's done, um, is, is prove that, you know, I think that the, the NFL is just too fast for him right now. Um, he's just simply not ready. And again, you know, when you've got arguably the best defense in the NFL, um, Salah in his second year here has seen a lot of criticism already and he's making a move here that shows that he's putting his fist down he's saying look this is the year where we finally really go for it um, and he's a young coach he's a coach that's still learning but I think he's done a great job kind of keeping up with the pace of the team and how they've developed I think Robert Salah has done a great job this year um, for the most part Um you know, as a coach, I think Salah this year, Josh, uh, for the Jets, has come into his own with everything I just said, realizing that, 
you know, the the best chance for the Jets to win every Sunday with that great defense on the field is to have Mike White as the quarterback. And I think mm-hmm. I think that decision has obviously paid dividends. And again, if I was Zach Wilson, I'd be scared for my job right now because with the on the field stuff and the off the field stuff combined, it's not a good look that you know, between all that, the guy who now is coming in trying to replace you uh, just just lit the world on fire on Sunday. Yeah, and I, I, did you see that one photo with him on with the on the sideline with the hood up? Yeah, mm-hmm. and they were comparing it like the Anakin Skywalker from Star Wars. <laughs> yes, that got me. But it's also it it just tells me like, listen, like I, the team he probably is a good dude. I know I don't know him personally. I never met him. I I just I'm judging him from just from a from a, from my eyes. But the teammate don't connect with him. It's, that's what I could tell. The teammates don't connect with him. And that was barely, that was obvious with when in the post-game press conference when the other, what was the other Wilson name? Uh, Garrett Wilson. Who, Garrett Wilson, thank mm-hmm. you, Aaron, who made that comment that basically was co- basically saying, no, he, he's got to take accountability on that. Right. He, that. he messed up and he didn't play well and you can't say, no, I didn't play well. Yeah. No, Garrett Wilson, I mean, as a rookie to be coming out like that and calling out your quarterback, I think um, is a is a great sign for him. He's a, he's a very, very, very talented young receiver for the Jets, and I think there's a lot to like about his character there, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. But, I mean, just look at Elijah Moore, who the Jets spent basically a first-round pick on two years ago. They picked him at the top of the second round as a rookie. Him and Wilson – Again, Wilson was kind of in and out of the lineup last year, was hurt a little bit, um, and so it kind of was tough for him to develop chemistry with any of these receivers. Um, I think him and Moore probably had the best connection of any, you know, quarterback receiver duo on the team last year. Um, although again, they didn't play a ton, ton together. You saw Moore kind of have his bitter weeks when Joe Flacco was in the lineup or when Mike White was in the lineup last year. And so, you know, early this year, Moore isn't being as targeted that, you know, as much. Um, and then he has the thing a few weeks ago where he requested trade and he's just unhappy with his role in the offense. And Mike White steps in on Sunday and he gets more of the ball. Gets mm-hmm. in the ball uh, for four catches. Moore gets in the end zone for the first time this year. So, like, a guy who's disgruntled, Mike White's got no issue getting him involved, Josh, and he got a lot of different guys involved, which is, again, part of what this offense is. It's having a bunch. That's why the Jets have spent all this money and they've used all these resources to get all this draft capital over the last couple of years. Um, you know, with Joe Douglas here, it's because they wanted to surround Zach Wilson with as many weapons as possible to make his life as easy as possible. And Mike White showed that you know, when you're actually a quarterback that can play at a relatively competent level, yeah. it's going to work when you've got all these great weapons around you. It's going to work, and your life is going to be easy, and you'll be able to throw for 300 yards and three touchdowns like, you know, like nothing. You don't need to – I think people get this misconstrued, but you don't need – every quarterback needs to be a Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers or a Josh Allen. It's okay to be like that – Mid-level QB that can that just has the pieces around him. But did Jimmy J? Uh, J- Jimmy G's the perfect example. I don't think Jimmy G is like that, but he's got the pieces around him and a coach that believes in him and and gives him the offense to succeed. Mm-hmm. 
That's what Zach. That now see, that's what that's what the Jets wanted Zach Wilson to beat, but Zach Wilson could not do that. Now you got Mike White doing that, and he's I, listen. I think y'all can sneak into the playoffs now. Nah, I mean, I think it's more than a possibility. Seven and four right now. Jets are just a damn out of first place in the AFC East. They've got they the, still play the uh, the Bills again, or is that it? Um, no, we've we dropped the Bills uh, the week after this upcoming week, so we've got. Oh, so that's gonna be a good game. The Vikings on the road, and then we go to Buffalo, and then we that's still have to play Miami in Miami. That's the last game of the year, so we have the tiebreaker over the Bills and the Dolphins right now because we've we've already right. beaten both. And you got two winnable games coming up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, got, against the Jads and the Lions. Yeah. So. Yeah, the Jets could definitely – yeah, there's a scenario where they go out and finish the year with, like, 11 wins and they get into the playoffs, which would be crazy. But, I mean, at this point, I think it's more of a possibility than a, a pipe dream or anything like that. So, yeah, the Jets won again on Sunday. They dismantled the Bears 31-10. to No Justin Fields this week for the Bears. Um, how about that quarterback situation, by the way? They were saying it was going to be Trevor Simeon to start and then – they said that he got hurt during warm-ups, Josh, and then they just, like, threw Nathan Peterman out there, like, 20 minutes before kickoff, and were like, all right, now you're starting. But then Simeon ultimately did start. It was really weird, but the Bears didn't really have a true quarterback on Sunday. So although they yeah. hung around in the first half, um, they didn't. I don't think they really had much of a chance against that Jets no, defense. They, without, the Bears' offense is run through by Justin Fields. They got no chance. Without, I knew they were going to lose that game the moment I saw <laughs> Justin Fields wasn't playing. I said, it's right. over. they're not winning. It's over. Yeah, it's definitely tough for them uh, without their golden boy and Justin Fields. But they found their quarterback. No, they the have. Are, I, yeah, I think the they Bears have. franchise has always been devoid without a true quarterback, and now mm-hmm. they have Justin Fields. Yep. So uh, hopefully he'll be uh, back and healthy. Getting ready to go here for the latter part of the season. Uh, let's take a look at some more games here. Pretty big AFC implications in this game. Bengals defeat the Titans 20-16. to 16. Joe Burrow with another big-time game, 270 yards and a touchdown. T. Hayden, seven catches, 114 yards and a, a touchdown. Um, The Bengals all of a sudden, Josh, making their margin is one of the better teams in the AFC, I think, after... You know, they get to the Super Bowl last year, and they come out a little bit slow this year. All of a sudden, they're up to 7-4. and four. Mm-hmm. Um, Probably at the moment looking like the best team in that division um, with the Ra- uh, Ravens wow. losing to the Jaguars on Sunday. I was going to bring up the Ravens because I'm starting to see cracks in the team. Like, it doesn't seem like Lamar's, like, playing. Obviously, you can see Lamar's not playing well, and I know this is big, this is contract year for them. He's been a little up and down. Yeah, I think he's still gonna get his money, but they need they gotta get some weapons for Lamar. I, they don't have no weapons. Here's yeah. another AFC team that you haven't mentioned. I don't know if you were going to mention, but the Cleveland Browns beating the time, the Buccaneers. Mm. Yeah, and, the Browns get Mr. Watson this week, which is interesting. They're mm-hmm. four and seven, which I, I don't think it's too, it's too late for them to make the playoff. But now with Deshaun Watson coming back, the suspension is over. What are your thoughts on that? Because now he got his first game. He has his first game against Houston this Sunday, I believe. Mm-hmm. And all right, obviously the season and the season's over. But this is an opportunity for Deshaun Watson to get integrated with the offense, get build chemistry with the receivers like Amari Cooper, and uh, you got Chubbs in the backfield. Then next season the Browns could be lethal. Yeah, I think the offense is going to be pretty good with him um, because the ground game we know has already been really good. Um, with Chubb being just a beast and uh, Kareem Hunt behind him. And you've got a stud receiver in Amari Cooper 
who has played very, very well despite, again, having that kind of average to below average quarterback play this year with Jacoby Brissett. Yeah, who so, low keep miss. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I just the culture wouldn't like, for anyone I, I right now. I miss Jacoby Brissett. I, I'll say it. <laughs> um, yeah, the, uh, the, the Matt Ryan effect. Um, no, but I think, yeah, Watson's going to make that Browns offense pretty dang good next year. And if their defense didn't kind of get back to form – uh, I think, yeah, they could be a pretty scary team. I think that division is going to be really interesting to watch next year because um, we talked about the Steelers and how, you know, if Pitchett can really develop, I, I think there's a chance that they can become a pretty solid team next year um, and they're going to have a pretty decent draft pick as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then obviously you've got Cincy and Baltimore who are, you know, despite whatever issues they may have throughout the year, they're going to be good. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, with the Ravens, they're just too well coached, I think, and Lamar is just too dynamic of a player for them to ever truly be bad. And then for the Bengals, you know, that offense is just electric. Yeah, you've got Joey B and Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and Joe Mixon. So, um, if they get him an offensive lineman, which I think they're going to start drafting soon, whoo, watch out for the Bengals. Yeah, he. Yeah, I mean, that's obviously been the big thing is that he's needed a line the last couple of years uh, and they got to the Super Bowl with an offensive line that is it wasn't as horrendous as it was his rookie year but it no, still it, wasn't really that good yeah but they they were riding on a, a Cinderella story the Bengals last season right. mm-hmm. so now I think what people and I think now they have expectations to be greater than what they were last year oh yeah for sure I, I think a deep playoff run is kind of like expected yeah, so them. it's going to be curious. it's going to be interesting to see, especially with Lamar Jackson in that division. Yeah, I think the North, uh, AFC North, has a pretty good chance to be um, one of the more interesting divisions in uh, in football next year. All right, so we uh, that's the end of our long football discussion. We've only got about ten minutes or so left here, so we're just quickly going to touch on the NBA. I think we're only going to touch on um, one subject here, and. That's the Mavs beating the Warriors last night, 116 to 113. Mavs with the win, they get to 10 and 10 on the year. Warriors at 11 11 in a. St- in, I wouldn't even call a, it. That was a great game. That was a great game. I wouldn't even call it a, a stacked Western Conference, Josh. Just a very, very tight Western Conference. Warriors are 11 and 11. They're the 10 seed, and yet they're four games out of first place. So it's like. You know, I mean, the Warriors are going on a little win streak here, and all of a sudden they shoot up from the 10 seed to, like, the 2 or the 3 seed. Um, so that's how crazy uh, the West is right now. But Luka with another huge game, 41 points, 12 rebounds, 12 assists. We saw him, yep. um, you know, making, making clutch shots, making clutch plays, finding teammates late in the game. Is he right now the MVP favorite for you? Uh yes. Okay. Yeah, I, yeah. I think it's Luca, especially. What and I know the record doesn't show for hit for like to their ten and ten, but Luca is averaging thirty on fifty percent shooting. He's actually, uh, I think, Vegas uh, odds to win the MVP at two seventy, and currently I believe he's 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 thirty. Last time I checked the stat was thirty nine. It was thirty eight and nine right now. Yeah, so he's. I checked him last night. 33 and a half points, 8.8 yeah. rebounds, 8 points it assists. Yeah, so he's like 38 and 9 right now. With almost two steals a game as well, 50% from the floor, which is pretty crazy. 
his jump shot is like wet, bro. That is like the best jump shot I've seen in the NBA. Um, I I think he's the MVP, but don't count out two people. Jason Tatum, who's been balling for the Celtics right now. And I want to say, and also Giannis Antetokounmpo. You can never count out Giannis because Giannis is always going to be Giannis and get his and get his bucket. Right. But Jason Tatum has best reinvented his not reinvented, but but he's resurrected his performance from that finals to like to erase it. He's out. He's mm-hmm. on on a mission. So definitely, you're going to hear both Tatum and Doncic's name going forward as we get deeper in the season, unless you know a Devin Booker turns turns it on. Or a, uh, or a uh, Steph Curry, and I'm also gonna throw a dark horse in this MVP race mm. too. Ja Morant. Oh, that's a good one. That's a I like good one. Ja Morant stats are looking good. Memphis is tw- is uh, twelve and eight right now. I'll give you another I- one, Josh. What's up? Who's that? This is really a dark horse because the team is not good enough to where like he'll actually get consideration. I think. Um, but how about Shy Dojas Alexander for the Thunder? Ooh. He's been he's been. Really, really good this year. Um, I like that pick. Thirty-one point one points, six point one assists, five rebounds a night for SGA. If this is the only thing, and I think if they get to, if they could get into the playoffs, if I think because MVPs always got to go to the thing, and this always been a controversial take with the MVP. Like it, it shouldn't always go to the, it should go to the best player, not the best, the team on, not the team with the most wins or something like that, or the player mm-hmm. with the on the winning team. But if if Shai Alexander could get his team to the playoffs, I think he'll be talked about as MVP candidate. Or yeah. not to the playoffs. I think if his team could get wins, excuse me. Yeah, I mean, like, the numbers he's been putting up are just crazy. And he had a stretch, um, which, I mean, he's still basically on. But from November 7th up until now, he's had, like, only two games where he hasn't put up, like, 30-plus. It's just crazy. Um the things that this guy's doing. Again, you know, Thunder 8-13 right now. I don't think he'll get the real recognition that he might deserve for, for the MVP. Mm-hmm. Um, just because his team isn't all that great. And so they'll They're, be like... But they, they will be. Like, the Thunder are a young team. No, yeah. I think they could be um, a pretty dang good team in a couple of years. Uh, they have some like, nice pieces They're there. definitely going to be great. Like, I think... Because I think you're starting to see a couple of the teams that used to suck a lot. Mm-hmm. Start to get better, like uh, Minnesota, the Magic too. Sacramento a lot of young. is another one. Mm-hmm. Oklahoma is moving up there, so definitely New Orleans is like on the in the third seed. Yeah, they, like, the young, those young players are starting to develop and get better, and they're about to carry their franchises for the next couple years. Yeah, the Pacers too are twelve and eight. Surprisingly, the Pacers. this year, Tyrese Halliburton, my boy, going off for the Pacers yeah. this year. So Donovan, oh, not Donovan, see, also Donovan Mitchell with the Cavs. Oh too. yeah, Woo. of course, yeah, yeah. The the Cavs are. One of my favorite teams in the league to watch. Donovan Mitchell and, and Garland are just so fun. I um, I picked them to be a dark horse in Cleveland. I didn't think they were going to be this good, though. They're Yeah, they're pretty dang good. And, uh, again, you mentioned Tatum for the MVP. Celtics at 17-4 and right now, best record in the NBA. So uh, you'll obviously hear his name if they, uh, if they keep winning any teams playing like this. All right, uh, final five minutes here, Josh. So we are going to get into our top five. And uh, we're going to bring it back to the top of the show and uh, make this World Cup related. We're going to do our top five countries that we would want to see host a World Cup. So here, quickly, before we um, before we get going, I just want to read out um, the countries that have hosted it in the past. So mm-hmm. 
Here's the Are list. We pick, can we pick those countries again? So if you, yeah, if you if you think one of them is like really cool, uh, go ahead. Um, so I think I think my list is all countries that haven't done it before, but I I may be wrong. So here's the countries that have done it: Uruguay, Italy, France, Brazil, Switzerland, Sweden, Chile, England, Mexico, uh, Argentina, Spain. Um, um, okay, the United States did it in '94, and they're gonna do it again next uh, go around in 2026. It'll be Canada, Mexico, and the U.S. hosting it. Uh, Russia had it last year. 2010 was South Africa, and then 2002 was both Japan and South Korea. So obviously that wipes a lot of countries off the board. Um, yeah. And obviously Qatar has it this year, but I kind of went with some more like exotic type of countries that like maybe are a little bit outside the box. Um, yeah. So if you have your list ready to go, Josh, uh, let's hear it. I'm going to go. I, you said the United States. I'm going United States again. Is it being hosted in Philly this year? Next, I mean, not next so, year, yeah. So 2026, it's going to be in a bunch of places. It'll be at MetLife. It'll be at the Link in Philly. Um, and then I think Atlanta, uh, out in L.A. at SoFi Stadium, Minneapolis, oh, yeah. I think. So it'll be all across the country. Oh, that's the that's definitely that is awesome. Yeah, it's pretty dope. Awesome pretty dope experience for Americans to get a chance to experience the World Cup. Um, I told United States and Japan because I think just just Japan is just an amazing and beautiful country. It's on my bucket list to go to. Mm. Um, where else? Definitely Italy. I'm gonna go four. I'm gonna go somewhere exotic. Dubai, if possible, because I've been to Dubai. Dubai is awesome. Or, or like anywhere in the kingdom of Saudi Arabia, if it's possible. I don't know if they can do it though. Um, well, it's in Qatar this year. Oh, it's, yeah, it is in Qatar. That's true. That is it is in Qatar. Right. Um, in that fifth spot, where I'm gonna give it to? Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna go with Mexico. Mexico. Yeah, Mexico. Mexico. So they've had it in Mexico twice. I want to say, but it hasn't been in a while. So they're having it next year in Mexico too. It's all North America next year. U.S., Canada, and Mexico. So. Um, yeah, uh, good list. Um, for me, I went Australia at five just because Australia is like, it's not, it's not near anything. It's basically on like the other side of the world from us. So it'd be pretty cool to see everyone kind of gather to one kind of like secluded <laughs> island, uh, in Australia. That's not really near a whole bunch, um, to play the world cup. I think that would be kind of cool to land down under. Uh, at four, here's an interesting one. Uh, I went, <laughs> I went with Greenland. Now, if you know anything about Greenland, the joke is like you have Greenland and Iceland, and Iceland is all green. It's all like nice and nice and trees, and it's like a nice European country. Greenland, on the other hand, despite the name, it's like a frozen tundra. Um, so if they could somehow find a way to like build a stadium there. And just have it in like these really cold conditions. I would really want to see like what countries would fare the best in that. Um, I don't know. That's probably not even really possible to be honest. But you know what? It's my top five. I'm gonna do it anyway. At three, I've got China. Uh, just because it's such a huge country, um, I think it would be pretty cool to have um, a bunch of different stadiums up in China. And it's obviously got some beautiful scenery as well. So I think China would be a fun one. Two, I have Greece. Same reason. I mean, Greece is just a beautiful country. Um, and uh, a lot of history in Greece, obviously, with, like, the Olympics and stuff uh, 
you know, kind of originating from there and having roots there. So to have a big competition like the World Cup there, I think would do it some justice for sure. And then at number one, um, technically a country, uh, I went with the Bahamas just because, like, <laughs> how sick would that be, man? Like, going into, like, a tropical paradise. Like, I mean, that would be – for me, having it in the Bahamas alone would be enough incentive to, like, for me to just give it my all and try to qualify, man. Like, I'm trying to go to the Bahamas <laughs> and be at some resort while uh, while I watch everybody else play and then go play at some nice stadium, like, 20 minutes down the road from the resort. You know what I mean? So Yeah. So, yeah, that'd be a lot of fun if it was uh, in the Bahamas. So that's our top five, our top five countries we would like to see host a World Cup at some point. Um, again, the United States taking on the Netherlands on Sunday morning, 11 a.m., I believe, is kickoff. So um, the next time I'll be hosting on uh, on Wednesday. And the next time we'll have offsides as a whole will come after that, uh, Larry Dealman on Monday. Um, so, uh you know, most likely we'll uh, discuss whatever result comes out of that with the United States uh, entering the knockout stage. All right, that'll just about do it here for Offsides on this Wednesday, November the 30th. want to give a big thanks to uh, Mr. Josh Counts of our Rowan Radio Sports Department stepping up and joining me today. Josh, I, uh, I thank you from uh, the world of Zoom across the, uh, across the screen here for helping me out. Hey, no problem, man, no problem. I'd love to be on. You know that. All right, so you can catch Offsides every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, 5 to 6 p.m. I'll be your host, Aaron Hook, every Wednesday from 5 to 6. This has been Offsides, and everyone have a great, great rest of your Wednesday. You've been listening to Offsides, a weekly roundtable discussion about the world of professional sports featuring the diverse perspectives of the Rowan Radio Sports Department. Tune in next Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 5 to 6 p.m. for another edition of Offsides, only on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM.